Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. You are the author of Managing Worry and Anxiety, a practical What's the whole title? Hold on, let me get it. I have it right here. Don't ask me because I'm not sure I can do the whole title. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> How's that? I think it's called Managing Worry and Anxiety. Gene Holthouse teaches you seven practical ninja tips Yeah. to, to well, punch anxiety it. in the face. No, I got it. I got it. All right. So Gene Holthouse, Managing Worry and Anxiety, Practical Tools to Help You Deal with Life's Challenges. Well, Gene, 2020 has presented us with uber amounts of challenges, and we're staring one down the face right now um, as parents who normally have a hard time letting go of their children onto the next step of college or boot camp or whatever their next step after high school is going to be, have the increased anxiety of COVID-19 and what it has done to their child's next environment. You talk about practical tools. What are some of the things that these parents that are letting go can do? I think the first thing is you have to recognize it's normal to feel anxious in those spaces under normal circumstances because you have spent the last 18 years in various levels being responsible for this child's well-being. And all of a sudden you're going to let go of this child and you don't, it's untested yet. We don't know. Can they be okay on their own or not? We, we want to believe they can, but then there's some part of us that's scared they can't. So there's a lot of unknown there. And anytime there's an unknown, anxiety is a normal response because it says to us, there's a potential that there could be something that goes wrong. Mm-hmm. It's what we do with that potential that's really important. That's good so to know that it's normal because I have it and I just, <laughs> I just, I'm really happy to know that in one circumstance, I am normal. It, well, yeah, just to be told that I'm not broken because I feel this way. It's mm-hmm. totally right. reasonable to be a little freaked out. I do have right. a daughter that's going off to college. Now, in my case, she chose not to go off. She is going to be taking classes at DMAC and living with me, which is going to present its own level of anxiety, mm-hmm. but we can talk about that at a different So you were saying there's something we're supposed to do with that anxiety. What does that look like? It's a place of, are you going to then sit and worry about what you can't control? Or are you going to trust both your child and God and the other people in your child's life with what you can't Mm. control? Wow. Um, It's that place of what you do with it. Because it says there's a potential problem. But when you look at that problem, it's not one you can solve. And so when you feel anxiety, you always have to look at, okay, what's it trying to tell me? What's the problem it's trying to alert me to? And then is that actually my problem or is it someone else's or is it God's? I frequently personally like to play God. I don't like to trust God. (laughs) I want to play God because that way maybe it'll come out my way. And I'm not really sure I believe that God's going to make it come out my way. Even though in my head, I would say, I believe that my actions would say I don't. So it's that place of actively looking at, wait a minute, do I believe that God's got my child and that God cares more about my child than I do? And he doesn't promise it's going to go perfect, but he promises he's going to be in it and he's going to be doing things in it that are for my good, for my child's good, for the community at large around my child's good. What are some of the things that we can control? Mm-hmm. You, were, you were saying that there are things that we actually can control in this letting go process, and we need to do those well. I think it's a great place to make sure you've had the conversations 
it's important not to try to tell your child, especially your young adult child, what to do because they don't like that so well. And if you think about it, I wouldn't like my mother telling me what to do because I'm an adult and I don't want her to tell me what to do. But I do like when someone asks me how I've been thinking about something. Mm. So to say, you know, how are you thinking about COVID as you go to college? What are you thinking you're going to want to do? Kind of investigating with them and hearing them think about it because they might not have thought about it. But if you operate from the place of, you know, I'm sure you've been thinking about this. What have you been thinking it causes them to start thinking without you saying, you know, have you thought about what you'll do if? What if you don't like what they say? <laughs> <laughs> well, then that's that place where you can look at, okay, I don't get to tell them what to do, but I can ask good questions about why they think that's okay. Mm-hmm. And maybe even say, well, but what if would that change? Oh, but what if, if is I- an okay question to ask? As oh. long as you're not saying that accusatorily, um, I get that you would like to not ever have to wear a mask. But what if it's required by the school? Or what if there are people on your floor that maybe have been exposed? Would that change how you think about it? Such a good way to do it. Jen is (laughs) furiously scribbling down notes. She's going to start a fire in here. I like that a lot. Yeah. That is that's very good. I mean, Jean, we don't know if the schools will close halfway through and these kids will be coming back home to us taking classes from our kitchen tables. Right. They may be. What we also have to recognize is they are just as scared and anxious as you are probably. Now, are they going to show you that? Half of them aren't going to, and half of them are going to be living so anxious that you're not sure they're going to get out of the house. Hmm. But a lot of them are going to be pretending they're fine because if they don't pretend they're fine, they're pretty sure they're not going to leave. And so they may not look as anxious as they really are. Wow. Remember that too. And I think it manifests itself in ways that we wouldn't expect. The anxiety comes out sideways sometimes. Yeah. And one of the major ways it comes out sideways for children that are leaving home is in anger because it's a way to distance you from them. And it's a way to kind of protect that anxiety so that you can't see it. I started one of the biggest fights with my mother. I don't know how she forgave me for this, honestly, when I was going to college because I couldn't figure out how to say goodbye to her. I was anxious. I was scared. I wasn't going to be able to do it. I was worried and I didn't know how to say goodbye. So I started a fight instead because it put distance between the two of us. Now I didn't consciously think that through and do it on purpose, but looking back, it's what I did. So we noticed that teenagers, as they get ready to leave home, they get surly with us. And partly that's because they're worried and anxious. And we just kind of have to know that. So what what is the right? You see the anger coming at you. You can know, okay, this is something bigger than just they're mad at me. They think I'm the worst person on the planet. How is the right way to respond to that? I think it's important to start by remembering that anger is always a second emotion. We're always feeling something else first. So there's always something else under there. If the anger is causing them to behave in a way that's inappropriate, they're violating rules with their anger, then you have to actually discipline that at that point. Set the limits that would normally be in your home because you can't have someone punching walls and doing things that are unhealthy in your home. But if it's not and they're just irritable and kind of surly with you looking at reminding yourself there's something else under there and kind of looking for what it is. And sometimes you can even label it. Sounds like you're feeling really worried or something like that that helps to give language to it. And oftentimes they can either they deny it, in which case, okay, now they got to kind of knock it off or it gives them permission to label it. They don't really have words for it yet. Mm. Sounds like this is really worrisome to you or sounds like you're struggling with some of these things. 
can kind of be a way to start a conversation with them. I was not 18 when I finally learned that just because I'm angry, it doesn't mean that it's the person in front of me's fault. That is hard to Wait, learn. Wait, what? It feels like it is. Oh my goodness. <laughs> when I finally learned I could be angry at something besides a human, it was so relieving. This is not the college experience that our children expected to have either. No. So there's a level of anger they're going to have about the fact this isn't the reality they wanted when they went to college. They didn't have the reality they wanted to end high school. And now they're starting college and it's still not right. Mm. And so we're all edgy about those things. That's true. That's exactly the right word the for it. The world is edgy. It right just now. takes a little bit to push you over. Mm. We don't have any emotional margin. We're using it all to try to function in this world that nothing feels normal. Nothing mm. feels right. Is there anything we can do to build emotional margin? We have to slow down some is one of the ways we can do that. Remembering that it takes more energy to do the things that we normally were doing without having to think. Even the fact that you and I are having this conversation and we can't see one another's nonverbals mm. means our brains have to work harder just to fill in the blanks. So our brains are having to work harder to do all of these things they would just normally do. Hmm. So if we could slow down and not try to do so much, that's really, really helpful. And then look at what are things that emotionally rejuvenate you. And it's probably not things like binge watching Netflix. <laughs> it's things like, am I eating healthy? Am I exercising regularly? Am I getting good sleep? Those things create emotional margin for us. We know that if kiddos don't go to bed on time, they are grumpy the next day. Well, adults who don't go to bed in time are grumpy the next day. <laughs> so we can do some of those things to create margin. Jean, my heart is just going out to the parents of especially elementary kids mm -hmm. as school starts in August, doesn't look like it's ever looked like before. Some of them going face to face with precautions in place. Some of them, kids are going to have to wear masks all day. You know, some of them are going to have to be home when the school year is supposed to start. Is there something that you could say to help, especially the parents of elementary age kids right now? It's important to remember that we have to deal with our anxiety so that our children don't pick it up. So looking at, do we believe they can be okay? And we have to kind of figure out how do we get to the place where we can believe they can be okay? Because particularly elementary school students, because they're younger, are queuing off of their parents and they will do as well as we do. But that's unsettling for us because if our child's only going to be in the building one day a week, for some of us, that's one day too many. For others of us, that's four days too few. But for all of us, it means that our routines are disrupted too, because all of a sudden we're not sending them off eight hours a day every day. And there's this consistency to it. So looking at how do we get a routine established even now, maybe where we're thinking through some of those things so that we can see it as doable. And we can believe it can be okay. And then we want to actually have conversations with our kids about how it's going to be okay. It's going to be different, but it's going to be okay. But we have to get there inside of ourselves first. Do you think that there's a conversation one can have with their elementary age child that would convince them to keep a mask on their face? <laughs> <laughs> one of the ways to talk about it with elementary and adolescents is to talk about it in terms of this is how you're taking care of not only you, but others. We help everybody to stay safe by doing this. So this is a way you're contributing to the larger, particularly for elementary school students, they want to be helpers. So if I'm helping to keep everybody else safe by wearing my mask, then I'm more likely to do it than if it's just so that I don't get sick. 
because I don't really care if I get sick some days. Well, I don't think they think they can get sick. Yeah. (laughs) That's why they lick the floor. (laughs) This is true. This is true. (laughs) But I do want to be a good helper. So if I know that it's helping others, it will make me more inclined to wear my mask for longer, at least. That's a brilliant idea. I just, I'm picturing a whole line of kids wearing masks that say, I'm a helper. If somebody hears me say that right now, <laughs> I think that's a that's a great idea for school kids, especially. Yeah. Oh, to, yeah. I'm a helper. I'm I'm doing good. Well, you're, wear your helper mask. Yeah, wear your helper masks. And that's what you, they could call them helper masks. Oh, Gene, it's a great idea. You need to go ahead and patent that right now. And let's not forget our amazing teachers. This is their job. This is their income. They have to either go or not go based on what their school district has decided. I'm sure that they are feeling immense amounts of anxiety, which is sad because they have such an amazing job and such an amazing burden already to add this to that. It it just seems cruel. But what can we say to to our teachers to help them as well? I think that's kind of in that same boat when we were talking about parents letting go of kids. We have to let go of what we can't control. And teachers, on the one hand, are asked to control a classroom of kids that really it's nigh to impossible to control most days. They're just kind of trying their best to put limits around. But there are just things that they're not going to be able to control. And, And again, focusing back in on what do I control right now? I control how I handle myself. I control my thoughts, my feelings, my behaviors. So I can't necessarily control whether or not Johnny is being defiant and refuses to wear his mask or Susie is doing that, but I can control how I react to them. Um, I can't control whether or not someone in my class gets COVID, but I can control what I do to try to follow the rules and minimize the risk. So looking at what do I control versus what do I not control? Overall, As you said, we've all been kind of edgy. Mm -hmm. What are some ways that we can try to control this edginess and make 2020 a good learning experience or just a good experience? Because I was reading a quote by C.S. Lewis. He said, often many of us look at things that happen to us in life as interruptions, but those interruptions are actually our life. You know, we think of COVID-19 and 2020 as an interruption, but it's our life and we need to live it well. How can we do it? One of the things we're going to have to do is let go of what quote should be going on Hmm. because who says it should be. And yet we all have like, this shouldn't be happening or I should be able to do this. That stuff makes us miserable. If we can look at this is what is right now. How do I make the best of it? How do I live reflecting the love of Christ? How do I live as Christ's hands and feet in this world, then we can make the best of it. And we'll actually be much less anxious and emotionally distressed than if we're constantly comparing it to what it should be and upset that it's not the way we think it should be. Our politicians aren't doing what we think they should. Our teachers aren't doing what we think they should. Schools aren't doing what we think they should. Our kids aren't doing what they think they should. That stuff makes us edgy and miserable. And it robs us of the gift of today. I have a friend who is very calm through all of this. I asked her the other day, how are you so calm? And she looked at me and she said, it is what it is. And he is in control. (laughs) Mm. 
That is great. Now, that's easier said than done. And that's sometimes a very moment by moment thing, because it's easy to say that if I'm sitting safely in my home mm-hmm. with, you know, no danger, it's not so easy to say that, let's say I contract COVID. It's still it is what it is. And he's still in control It's harder to live that but still is important to live that. Well, I asked her, I said, are you like a duck on water? <laughs> like on the top, does it look like you're really calm? But underneath, you know, your little feet are, are going fur- furiously. And she said, sometimes, sometimes. But when I, mm-hmm. when I find myself being gripped by that, I remember it is what it is. And he is in control. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Letting go of that. I should be able to control this piece is uh, scary, but freeing. Yes. And recognizing that our pictures of what life ought to be like have really never matched God so much. Mm. Um, But his picture is really better than ours. Are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) He says so. Do you have scripture to back that one up? That sounds dubious. (laughs) This has been the Taylor and Jen podcast. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.